All right, on this episode of Bouts Talking Bouts, very excited to be talking to an individual who competes at Ryzen 44, which goes down on September the 23rd. And it's a very attention-grabbing heavyweight fight as Sayoshi Sidario and Todd Duffy step out there into the ring, and great having Todd on the show for the first time. How's everything going, man? You having a solid day so far? Yeah, everything's good. I uh, got some good training this morning, just kind of hanging out, waiting to go train here a little bit. Yeah, just curious when, you know, this bout offer initially got on your radar, because this seems like a fun opportunity, the big return to Japan and all, and everything like that. Like, when did this bout offer initially come your way? Ah, uh, shoot. Uh, I'm trying to think. Maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I got the bout offer. I can't remember, to be honest. Uh, I was looking around for fights for quite a while, and then I think... Uh, I think this one just, it was probably like four weeks ago it got on my radar, and then like, I guess maybe two, three weeks ago we signed it. It was a pretty easy decision. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious to expound upon that a bit more when you say an easy decision. Like, is it just like a great opportunity being that it's a major promotion? Was the opponent enticing? Like, what do you mean by that? I'm kind of curious. Uh, both. It's a chance to return to Japan, uh, and to get, get them a chance to actually see, uh, you know, my skill set. Um, it's a chance to return to Japan. It's an exciting opponent, uh, and it's an exciting event. Ryzen puts on amazing events. Um, you know, it's a young, exciting game opponent. I think that's, uh, you know, that's always fun. Uh, you know, and... Japan MMA is the best because they have the best fan base. They get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I feel like they actually understand what's going on to some degree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as a North American, I can say that's unfortunately sometimes an issue. Just that like learning curve and just looking at the sport in a nuanced kind of way. Definitely lacking as compared to Japan, for sure. Yeah, I don't even know if it's nuanced. I think it's the life of the uh, fan. I think a lot of fans are new, and I think the life is very short. So I don't even know that they get the time in to kind of really understand uh, what fighting entails in every aspect, if that makes sense. So, uh, you know, it's like lo what they're looking for, right? Yeah, and I feel like there's a learning curve overall in a certain sense, because, like, I remember when you were like talking to the MMA media like back like a few years ago and kind of like addressing just that certain culture and I even as a media person try to you know get a bit better and get beyond that sort of like you know smarmy almost kind of like questioning kind of methodology and just stuff like that but yeah I feel like there's definitely like a learning curve to the sport overall because I mean yeah there are those like few, yeah yeah, and I just think what, what that media thing like got really blown out of proportion. I just leaned into it for fun because I'm standing there in front of a group of, of reporters. They're upset. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, like I just did a like I'd done like three interviews in a row, and I was talking to some dude from MMA Junkie. I can't remember who it was, and I was just exhausted. And he was asking me like the same repetitive questions. I was like, man, you guys are you guys got to get it together. Like, I don't know that it's easy to paint the picture of what the fighting lifestyle is and what fighting actually entails. I don't know how easy that job is. I don't think it's an easy job. Let me say that, right? Um, and there's very few guys that are doing it at a high level and a good level. I'll also say that. I'm not trying to offend anybody this time around. Um, it's just not an easy job. It's not easy to relay the proper messages to the fan base. Uh, 
Um, it's not up to the reporters and how the fan base understands or interprets things also. But I think, you know, there is some things you want to see. You want to see more support for the sport, if that makes sense, by more support for the environment of the fighter, if that also makes sense, as opposed to... I think there's a lot more than just winners and losers in, in MMA fighting, if that makes sense to you. Uh, and I think that that's kind of missed, and I think in Japan that's not missed. <laughs> if, that, if that helps you at all. Yeah, I mean, that was partly why I brought that up. I wasn't really trying to drudge up some old sort of thing, but like just even within that context when talking to the media you were referencing like the pride and k1 days is like a period where like the media and the fans really like looked at it in like a reverential way and like really put the combatants on that pedestal and yeah, everything like, like that like a respect for the sport a respect for what's going on like two guys are going in there one's gonna be a loser one's gonna be a winner that is undoubted right like they can sometimes tie <laughs> you know and then like i think like taking away the for tournament format and things like that also had a major effect on how uh fighting's viewed but it's just the american culture and i don't know again that it's the reporter's job to help uh, the fan base in that sense. You know, I really think the fan base, to be honest, I think it's a very short-lived cycle. Uh, it's something I've really kind of came into conclusion over the last, like, three or four years because you see this new uh, 2020 fan base, right? Um, which is exciting because the sport is growing, don't misinterpret, but I, I just think the cycle length of fans, like, I talked to guys that were fans in, like, 2010 to 2014 or 15, they're really not the same fans they were then as opposed to now like they're passively watching shows um they're like kind of know what's going on whereas before they were into it so there's like this weird dip that occurs in the MMA fan base you know uh it's just it's the whole thing's interesting honestly <laughs> i could ramble on about it for a while probably no but i get what you mean it even seems like you really put the onus on yourself to always keep growing on that you know learning curve because i was like I mean, you referenced like 2010 there. Like I was seeing a UFC feature on you from around that period where you were talking about how you largely felt the athleticism was in line, but one of the bigger areas of growth was like the mental approach. It really seems like that's been like a marked area of growth since then, for sure. Like you strike me as like a cerebral individual. Well, yeah, I probably way too cerebral is what I'm told quite frequently, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, uh, like too smart for your own good is kind of a common theme I hear quite frequently from coaching. Um, uh, I think I was back then too. I just knew that like uh, we didn't really know what we were doing yet back then. That was still a, a time period when we were really discovering the sport, and I still think there's this like heavy evolution going on even now. Um, but yeah, I mean like. I have a very violent, aggressive style, but that doesn't mean that I'm not thinking about it. <laughs> you know, like, there's a, there's a lot of nuanced uh, processes that go into that. Um, yeah, uh, but I definitely, you know, there's a growth that occurs in MMA regardless, kind of to tap into what you were kind of getting at. Um, there's a constant skill set growth. There's a constant, it's inevitable to grow because your body as an MMA fighter changes. Like, if you don't grow, you're in big trouble. If you know what I mean? Like, injuries happen, adjustments happen, especially, like, in, in my early era, guys were training with injuries nonstop. You just adjusted to them. You learned a different style. You learned, like, oh, I can't do this. I'll do this. Um, 
fighting is kind of a never-ending evolutionary process. I kind of think that's its core basis to me. Um, I've always kind of looked at that, looked at it as that, like an adapt-or-die scenario. Um, it is like one of the fundamental blocks to our evolution is fighting. Um, so I just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. There's the cerebral approach, I guess. I try to shut my brain off to some degree. Like, I've already tried to have all the thoughts I need in there. Um, my, my most recent fight, I had uh, kind of a training fight where it's like it wasn't. I wasn't at the fight fight pace speed in my mind as much as I was a training pace speed. If that makes sense. Um, so like I had too many thoughts in there. I wasn't uh, reacting. I would get to my spots. Like you're supposed to think. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of thoughts to be had in there. Trust me. Uh, but you're supposed to be reacting. You're supposed to. Uh, you're supposed to be in the now in the moment, right? And I think I was a little too cerebral even in my last fight. Like, uh, that sounds wild, especially considering it was a grappling exchanges, but maybe that's why. I don't know. I think I was a little too caught up in doing things right as opposed to doing things at all. Does that make sense? So, you can get trouble thinking too much, my friend. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my ramble. I mean, I wonder how much of that is informed by the layoff between fights, and I guess in saying that, how much of that would be subverted heading into this, you know, Sidario fight, just being that you got that Phil DeFreeze rematch in. Yeah, and I, I agree. Like, there was a four-year layoff, and it was, uh, you know, that... Always in the past, I said it doesn't really matter, but it can matter, uh, obviously. And, like, we wouldn't be talking about it if there wasn't. You know, it doesn't have to matter, let's say, but it can't. Um, you can allow, you can make that mistake. Um, yeah, I feel already fresher. Like, my favorite time of my career was I had two fights within a two-week period. That was the coolest moment of my life. Like, um, there's a freshness to the cage. There's a freshness to the whole thing. And uh, I just had a friend do it. He just fought. I just cornered in both fights, and he fought three weeks apart. And it's amazing because you get to see how much easier it is for the guy to uh, be present, let's say. Um, and they're just like sharper with it. They're more uh, in tune with the nature of fighting, if that makes sense. Yeah, and it seems like there's that rapport there. Like, I did see a post where you were saying probably the best corner I've experienced in the buildup to a fight. And I mean, ultimately, you are traveling to a different country here, but maybe something to be gleaned from that previous experience of, you know, traveling between different countries and working through a few issues and whatnot. <sighs> Oh, dude, it was brutal. That whole experience was a wild one. We had to go to two different countries. Uh, I had COVID when I went in the first one. Um, I'm doing, you know, so it was like, I'm trying to keep it a secret so I can get the fight done. But it's ever, it's it's apparent to the point where one of the reporters asked me, it's like, yo, so like, Phil's all happy and you're kind of miserable. They didn't say that, but they might as well have, right? Oh, okay. They alluded to that fact. They're like, uh, is that just because you haven't done this in a while? Or like, <laughs> like, in my head, I'm like, no, I'm sick as fuck, lady. Like, <laughs> um, uh, you know there's a lot you know traveling and fighting is a very wild thing um it's quite the experience uh it's not an easy process uh you know so i'm probably better for that experience of course going into this next week especially um you know but like i talked to guys like um Spike Carlisle, he's going over to Japan three weeks before the fight. He's on the same card. You know what I mean? Because he wants to avoid all those travel um, scenarios, I guess. Yeah, do you have a certain plan in that regard as far as like a certain amount of time you're going there out of the fight? <laughs> well, I mean, 
normally uh, they fly you out four days before, and there's a little, uh, there's kind of a trick. Uh, Huberman's broke it down on one of his podcasts, but uh, it's like if you don't get out there, like I think it's like two to three, two weeks before, it's better that you're out there for a shorter period of time. And I think it's like a three-day period, to be honest. Uh, so it's like if you find yourself in between that three-day period and that two-week period, it's it's like better to be too early or too late for that two weeks. Does that make sense from an adjustment standpoint for your like body clock and things like that? It's like it kicks off your whole hormone process, everything. You know, your circadian rhythm is kind of, we all know it, like we're, we're on a cycle. Um, so I think I'll be okay. I've done it before. Um, this is not my first time doing, I think this is like my fifth or sixth travel fighting experience like this, like a, like a massive travel. Uh, I've done India, I've done, where else? The Dominican, Brazil. I've, I tend to fight places, not at home, <laughs> you know? I was going to say, do you like that dynamic or is it just like circumstance and you're just down to take whatever fights pop up? Uh, you know, I, I think everybody likes the idea of it, especially when you're young, right? When you're young, you're like, oh, that's cool. And I hear a lot of my buddies, they're like, oh, man, I want to I want to go fight Japan. It's like, dude, because you could just fight right over here at the SAP Center. Uh, you're going to know a lot of people. It's just a quick drive. You, you may not, you may even drive yourself, you know? Because when I think back to, like, my younger fights, like, I drove myself to the venue, and, like, my buddy may rode with me just in case, like, he had to drive me home, you know? Uh and those are kind of like relaxing experiences. There's a lot less bullshit involved. Uh, it's a cool experience, um, but it's not like by design. I'm not out there like, all right, let's try to go to Australia on this next one. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's, like, it's definitely not. Uh, there's an allure to, to, to it, I'm sure. It's that like, uh, what's that movie like with Van Damme? Like not Iron Fist, but uh, come on, help me out here. It's like just that classic like tournament vibe where you've just been, uh, you know, 1980s martial arts movie where you're traveling overseas to fight some random human. It's like kind of King of the Streets, like. Yeah, like a blood sport vibe almost. I guess that's a classic reference point too. Yeah, blood sport. That's where we're, that's the movie we're talking about. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I mean, it's just not as you know. Uh, if I could go fight the SAP Center on this date. I would choose that. Like, Japan has a cool culture. They have great fans. So I'm excited about that aspect. But, like, yeah, I'd rather just drive down the street. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of 15-hour flights or anything. Yeah, no, I hear you. And I think it's, like, people almost just look at it through, like, the travel lens and not the, oh, you got to actually get in a fight portion of it. But just... That's hysterical. My friends are like, yo, bro, I'm going to come. I'm going to come to Japan. And they're like... So they can't, and I'm like, cool. Like I don't really say, but I'm just like, all right, you know. Like, I look at him like, uh, that's good for you. Because in my head, like I'm not gonna see you. Is I'm there for like a quick short second. It's uh, I'm not there to travel. Like I'm in a hotel room the majority of the time, or I'm like making sure I get enough sun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like, oh, have you seen the the new? Uh, I don't know, I can't even think of anything to go see in Japan. Like, the, the train system's really neat, you know? <laughs> uh, it is, a, you know, the idea of going, to, I've got the opportunity to go to Japan and just travel. Um, and, you know, there is some allure, but it's, it's definitely interesting to listen to my friends talk about it. Because, like, you almost have to talk them out of you. Like, dude, you don't want to come. Like, why don't we uh, go another time when I can go watch an event <laughs> and not actually be the event? 
just watch it on TV, dude. Like, you being there means nothing except for maybe you get the travel experience, but we're not doing it together, but, <laughs> you know, but I think it's like for them, it's like, it's something to brag about, right? Like, oh, I wouldn't watch my friend in Japan fight or, you know, whatever that might be for them. Uh, so, you know, maybe that's good for them. <laughs> it seems like there's a little bit of that going on, but in talking about more of the localized kind of work, curious to, get some insights into where you were training because I was checking out some of the social media and it seems like some of the primary spaces have been AKA, but also like extreme couture over the years. So like how have the, you know, preparations looked in this one? Uh, I would have liked to have gone out to yeah, extreme couture. I just didn't really get enough time in this camp and I kind of had the bodies I needed for the opponent I have. I like to go out to couture's, uh, you know, each camp at least once or twice or at least Vegas, let's say Vegas in general, right? Um, is Vegas is like this weird transient place. Like you may be training with guys from extreme couture, but you may be training over here at a boxing. You know, like it's a it's just a different environment. Uh, but for this fight, basically, I've been training with uh, my Muay Thai coach Barry, who uh, runs Roots up in Union City, which is a Bay Area gym, and then my boxing coach, and then I've had uh, Dennis and Calteras, uh, but he's coming over to see me at AK. Most everything's been done at AK for this camp, and it probably will. I'll finish out here. Um, but yeah, since COVID, I've pretty much been in NorCal. Like, I was pretty heavy in Vegas prior to COVID. But since COVID, I realized, like, I don't, I'm not as, as much as I traveled in my life, I didn't know I don't really like it. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> I really didn't, because I was on the plane, like, twice a month. Easy. There were times in my life, in my 20s, when I was living in two different places. Like, just... For uh, silly different reasons, in my, but you know, it's kind of a fighting lifestyle to some degree, especially when you're training, you're chasing training partners and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to stay in NorCal for the most part. This is more of this whole ramble. Yeah, and I mean, it seemed like even when you were talking a bit earlier about Sidario, it seemed like you were already like acutely aware of him, like when the bout announcement came your way like in terms of I guess what you've seen from him stylistically and just maybe his overall resume so far as like a young kind of rising heavyweight like what would you say your thoughts are on his resume and I guess better stylistic attributes yeah I don't want to give away too much um you know as old as I am in my career I still have quite a bit of secrets and there's quite a bit of misconceptions so I'm down for that to occur for him hopefully or you know whoever um but yeah, I'm, a, I'm aware of like the young up-and-coming heavyweights. I'm definitely paying attention, especially he's probably the one they're pushing the most, it seems like, I guess, because of his uh, sumo background. Um, I'm not sure of the entire details, but it seems like one of my training partners keeps calling Justin Timberlake, you know? Uh, so he has like a little bit of a star power presence over there, and I mean, I've been watching Ryzen, so I see I see him, and then... So yeah, i definitely aware of him. I think he's a, he's a good athlete. He's a straight-up good athlete, and I think he is quickly adapted to martial arts. Um, he's a really great opponent. He's exciting. Like, he's definitely game. Um, his coach has a very old-school mentality, so, you know, that he's he's going to be developed probably pretty properly, and uh, he's going to go in there to live and die that day. You know? So uh, it's an exciting fight in that sense. Yeah, very exciting fight, and not to get you to 
you know, divulge anything, but just kind of curious wording, like you were talking about how maybe people have certain misconceptions. Do you mean in as far as like your methodology as a fighter or like, what did you mean by that? I guess. Yeah, for sure. Like, and I, that's fine. Like, you know, there's like several versions of every fighter, you know, there's tons of, <laughs> you know, I see guys in the gym and I see a fighter, I'm like, oh shit, okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it just, each fight brings a different part of your personality out. I mean, that's how I would describe it. I mean, since like each style is gonna gonna require um, a different you, maybe. You know what I mean? And I really believe when you see somebody fighting, it's their personality is really kind of dictating quite a bit of uh, what you're seeing. If that makes sense, or the decision-making process that you're watching, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I feel like this has been a fun aspect of talking to you, just more of like the fight IQ kind of aspect and just talking about like being in these different environments. I feel like part of that could extend to like the rise in rule set in and of itself. Like how, I guess, I mean, maybe creatively stimulating isn't the way to phrase it, but I mean, one of the most comprehensive, if not like the most comprehensive rule set out there with like the 12 to 6 elbows and the soccer kicks and all. Uh, dude, it's a different sport. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Um, you know, I thought that I was in a cage when I first signed the fight. I believe, yeah. Or, like, when I accept the fight, actually. Let me say that. I thought that when I signed the fight. But when I accepted the fight, I thought I was in a cage. And uh, you take it out of a cage, it's already a different sport. Then you add, add additional rule sets that are different, additional skill sets that you don't necessarily get to use. Uh, it's a whole different sport, you know. It's not in a big old cage. You can't run around. You're stuck. You're, you know, it's in a good sized platform ring. Um, I can't remember the exact dimensions off the top of my head. I think it's like 28 by 28. 28. It's a good size, but there's corners in that ring, um, so it, it it increases the amount of engagement. It increases the fight aspect of fighting. Let me say that because if you go into like. Um, the UFC cage, up until maybe five years ago, I don't know that there was a guy in the division that could not, if I didn't want to run around for three rounds, that could stop me from being KO starts. Do you know what I mean? I can just not engage because that cage is so big. Um, you can't do that in the ring. There's going to be a fight. Um, and then the dynamic of the fight is going to change also when you're you know, the wrestling aspect changes, there's no cage there, and there's kicks and knees to down the opponent. That's a major game changer. It's a different sport. Um, I laugh at the idea of fight IQ when you think about my fight IQ and my last fight, and then some of the brute, like, I definitely have a wild tendency in some of my fights, so I, I don't know that I would be, like, the uh, guy as an example of a fight IQ. I might use, like, Derek Lewis maybe as a heavyweight fight IQ. Um, he's got a pretty good fight IQ, shockingly to say that um, I definitely know about the fight game I can tell you that <laughs> but I don't know if I have the, the top level fight IQ but hopefully I can uh, I can express some of that like I definitely have those experiences and I definitely I have that ability it's not whether or not I can get that to come out you know or if it's even necessary to come out right yeah I mean I, I guess I mean you strike me as like an effective orator when talking about combat sports maybe that's the way to say it yeah, I definitely know about the game. <laughs> <laughs> I've had, uh, you know, it's, I'm 17 years deep full time, you know? So if I haven't had my own experiences, I've had others with other guys. You know, I've had, I've had, I've had their experience. And I've been to several different camps and several different gyms and uh, spent, you know, a lot of time there. 
a different or interesting perspective as a fighter. But I think also just being a heavyweight might change some of my perspectives too. To be very honest with you, I think that's almost a different sport within itself. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, definitely different considerations for sure. And, I mean, yeah, definitely, like, different permutations that you've seen in the sport. Like, I remember watching you, you know, knock out Tim Haig back at, like, UFC 102 on my birthday in, like, 2009. So, yeah, still, yeah, a lot of different eras very much, you know, adapting and everything in the game. Yeah, it is real, the different eras. When you say different eras, you're really referencing the fact different evolutions. Um it's I, I have had that opportunity to really see the sport grow in a, in a special way, and hopefully I've done a decent job of keeping up with it. I feel like I have. Um, it's a it's a bit of wild just to be able to watch it, right? Like you gotta think back when I first started. This was like a uh, it was faux pas. It was like I don't have the right word. Like it wasn't it wasn't it was kind of frowned upon. Right, like it wasn't accepted. It was like you had to. It was like almost a club. It's like people wore it as like a, a badge of honor. Like we are doing this thing. Um, I don't know how to describe that properly. You might have the words considering you're a writer, but I think you kind of understand what I'm getting at. Like, yeah, for sure. It was almost like a purpose. Like, no, we're gonna make this the sport. We're gonna um, now it's a full blown sport, and people are actually finally making money. People are. Uh, it's you know, le- there's a lot less questions about it like I don't really believe we I still think we're figuring out the sport to some degree um but I think back then like people the guys wouldn't show up to fights because they would freak themselves out at the idea of it right like that was a very common thing back in the day like because uh, we just didn't know enough <laughs> or guys might accept fights and they shouldn't have because they, they just didn't know any better <laughs> you know um but yeah, no, I, I uh, it's exciting to see. It's exciting to see what you know these major organizations have done. I think what the UFC done has done is pretty special and pretty impressive. Um, I think over the years, my perception of the UFC has changed just based off of like their ability to bring the sport to the forefront. You know. Yeah, I mean, how would you say? I, I guess there's been different permutations, just being that you've been in and out of the company and stuff like that. I mean, we always grow and our opinions change as we get older and experience more things. So, I mean, like, how would you say your, I guess, perceptions have changed? Like, do you just more appreciate them in a certain sense now that you didn't have before? Or like, what are you articulating there, I guess? I mean, I would say I went through a dark period of time where I did not appreciate them or appreciate the sport in a healthy manner. And, I mean, that led to me asking out of my contract, even, right? So think about it like, from that perspective. Uh, so, yeah, I think as I've, I've grown older and I understand life and business better, I think there's an appreciation, and there's also appreciation for what they've done. Like, you know, I, I tour around online on these, like, like I check these pages, pages out, and I engage with these fans, and it's interesting to see how mainstream it's gotten. Like, you see how mainstream it's gotten when you actually talk to these fans and how little they know. Do you know what I mean? You're like, oh, shit, like, you just learned about this. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, uh, it's interesting, for to say the least, I guess, right? Like, but no, I definitely appreciate uh, them. And my perspective's changed. Like, to this day, we don't really know why I got cut. There's some, like, ideas I have behind it, obviously, but 
you know, um, that probably definitely twisted up my head for quite some time. Like I'm sure you can imagine. Um, and then just general, you know, you've seen guys get frustrated with the sport and then try to direct that anger at the UFC when it's not necessarily even the UFC it's the sport itself, right? I mean, more than understandable, though, but just exciting that there is, like, that renewed vigor for the sport, and just, yeah, this is a very exciting fight with Sidario. just really enjoy what Ryzen does as an overall product, but this specific fight, definitely very compelling, and, yeah. I think we're in for an incredibly exciting fight, like I said, like, those, he's a game fighter, his coach is a fighter first, he's a true martial artist, but his coach is a fighter also, so it's like, that brings a different element to the fight. And I think that brings a different level of excitement. I think his athleticism is probably underrated just off of, like, first glance. I don't know if a lot of people have got to really, you know, you got to look closely probably to dissect it because I think people see, like, sumo wrestler. And no, that kid's like an athlete. Yeah. That kid could play, like, football. <laughs> that kid could, like, you know, he's an athlete for sure. Um, and I am too. And so it's a very exciting, explosive fight in that sense. And then that ring, I think, is going to make it even a more um, dynamic, not in more visually pleasing is really what I'm getting at, though. Like, more clashing, probably. Maybe not, you know. Um, But I just think that view is going to be very interesting. Just like that. That is the one thing I do appreciate about the ring. I don't like the idea of falling out of it. I don't like the idea that somebody might be pushing on me as I'm getting pushed on the other direction, <laughs> you know, like, or vice versa. Um, but it's, man, I don't know. Like, I wish I had a better way to sell people this fight other than the fact that you've got two game fighters, you know, they're both heavyweight athletes. Uh, it is a very exciting fight. It's probably underrated in a lot of ways. Um, simply because you have two guys that are out there mouthing each other off, like mouthing, mouthing off to each other. And, uh, you know, there's no, like, um, what's this current day and age? What would you call it? There's no, uh, uh, I mean, there's no viral content around it, but there's no, uh, disagreement, I guess. I don't know. Like when they, what is it these people need? Well, like beef or something like that. Like, boom, we nailed it. There's no controversy. There's no, so it's in that sense, it doesn't sell itself, but they're like actual, if you're a true fight fan, this one's going to be a good one. Well, I feel like just the styles and everything you guys bring to the table, I mean, just such a hugely compelling fight. I mean, when Ryzen was kind of reaching out about setting up interviews, this was like one of the first fights I wanted to get on top of for sure. So I definitely think this is going to be a very intriguing one. And it's kind of interesting because I have talked to Sidario a few times over the years, and it seemed like the kind of opponent he was like always striving to want to fight eventually. It seems like you very much resemble that. So just kind of interesting. It's almost like, not the culmination of a journey per se, but just like an interesting juncture in both of your journeys, I guess. Yeah, he probably wants, yeah, that makes sense with it, just what I've seen from his character. Uh, but again, you know, I'm, I'm looking from a distance. I don't know all the details, but it makes sense that I'm the kind of guy he's looking to fight. He's looking to fight a fighter. He's looking to have action, probably. He's looking to have somebody go out and like he wants to fight he wants to test his true metal like he wants to dig deep he wants it makes sense i force guys to do that 
there's not a, like there's zero doubt you get in the cage with me this fight is going to go somewhere <laughs> you, know, like, you know we're gonna we're gonna discover some things we're gonna we're gonna press the gas pedal we're gonna uh, I mean we're gonna go so Yoshi Sidario and Todd Duffy clash at Ryzen 44 on September the 23rd this is Bouks talking Bouts